All right. Welcome to the new intense, scary series called The End. Wow, you guys are so fun today. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Hey, listen. Oh, um, the, here's the irony, okay? About here's the irony about the end. Um, it doesn't really end, okay? That there really is not an end to to what we're going to be discussing. In fact, the end of the world as we know it, is actually just the beginning of existence as God intended it. Are you with me? The, so so in our, from our perspective, um, death is the end, but from God's perspective, death is the objective. Come on, somebody. You understand what I'm saying? Like To be with Him is the ultimate goal of creation. It's not just for this life that we were created, but it is in his image and for his glory that we were created so that we can truly become who we, he wanted us to be from the very beginning, okay? So the end, the end, the irony about this end is that it's actually not an end. Let me share a story to illustrate this, okay? And, and this, this ought to hone you back in. This should tug on your heartstring a little bit. But just a couple of weeks ago, <clears throat> I had a specific opportunity. Um, I don't do this a lot. I, I don't even get asked to do it a lot. I'm, I'm not above it at all. And, and I certainly was excited to go and, and have the opportunity. But I got a phone call from a friend of mine who had a relative who was, who was passing away. Um, they had called in hospice. For, for them, they were planning the arrangements for what was inevitable, Okay. And barring God divinely intervening and supernaturally healing temporarily, okay, even if he did that, it would still only be temporary. We all have to die at some point. But barring God intervening and moving supernaturally, this was it for this individual, okay? And the words that I was told was that this individual was scared to die. She was afraid. She feared, literally. She knew that it was coming, but she was afraid. So initially, um, I knew that I had to try to find somebody to go pray with her, okay? And I, I began to kind of ask around for some, some ladies that could go over there. Because listen, I'm not the only person in this church that can do ministry, okay? I, I am not the only person in this church that can lead somebody in a prayer of salvation. Now, I got kingdom credit for it because I couldn't find anybody that day. But you got to understand, when we ask you to do something, it's not because we're not perfectly capable. It's because we believe that you are. Praise God. Three people believe that. Glory to the Lord. Y'all are, whoo, we're having so much fun this week. I said this morning that when, when we ask you to do something, it's not because we're not perfectly capable. It's because we believe that you are. Uh, okay, praise the Lord. <laughs> it was, whoo, we need some more coffee next week. Spike it up a little bit for second service. Let's double, double portion for second service next week. No, we believe that you're capable. We believe that you are the saints that are equipped to do the ministry. But this time I went, okay? And I, and I walked into the house and, and this, this lady was, she was, had the disease that she had. She was completely blind. Okay, she was extremely weak. She was just barely able to sit up in bed. She had actually just woken up whenever we got there. And then by the time I walked in, by the time we got there, she, she could not audibly respond to me. She could just barely respond with a whisper. She was so weak and so weary from this disease that was, was taking her life. Okay, so I knelt down at her, at her bed and, 
And they told me, actually, the family told me, you know, she's, she's just scared. She's afraid. And I said, I called her name, and, I, and I, I, I was looking at her. She can't see me. All she could do is hear me. But I said, do you understand that one of the things that Jesus said most often in his Gospels is, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be afraid. It is me. God's desire for you is not for you to fear death, but for you to face it and know that death is the objective and you get to be with him for all eternity. But have you ever received him as your savior? Have you ever confessed him as Lord? And she said, she shook her head no. And I said, do you want to? And she responded very softly, yes. I said, if you will just whisper this prayer, I'm going to lead you in a prayer and then I'm going to pray with you. But I want to, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I want you to pray this prayer with me with all of your heart, even if it's just a whisper. I want you to confess it with your mouth. And I believe that God will hear your prayer. And so I led her. I, I, I said, Jesus. And she responded, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Make it yours. I want to be with you when I leave this earth. Save me and help me to not be afraid in Jesus' name. And she prayed that prayer, and I'm telling you, it wasn't a physical light, but the light of God came upon the face of his daughter, and she was no longer afraid. That family told me that night that she slept like she hadn't slept in a long time. She ate dinner with them and was able to enjoy the evening unlike she had enjoyed the evening in a long time. And me and the family member were going to go back over the next day. We were going to get our kids, and we were going to go over there and just check on her, pray with her, let the kids hang out with everybody else. And we got over there and she had passed away 15 minutes before we got there. She went to be with Jesus. She wasn't afraid. Because she knew that the end of this life was the beginning of the life that she was created for. Come on, somebody. She understood that leaving this world was the objective from the very beginning. That we have a lot of plans and a lot of purposes in our heart, but God establishes our steps. And He takes all of our temporary and makes it eternal. So with that in mind, I'm going to give you a backdrop for the next few weeks as we discuss the last days, the end. I'm not going into a study of the book of Revelation. We'll save that for another time. But I do want to discuss the passages where Jesus addressed the end with his disciples. So turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 21. I'm hoping this is, I'm hoping this is good again this morning. My wife usually takes notes for me. And, and I just kind of pick up on a few things, and that's where I sit in the side room between services and just make sure that I try to do my message justice. And she took like three lines, one, two, three, and then she goes, oh, I'm sorry, I was into the message, completely forgot to take notes today. So with that in mind, I'm hoping you're in for a treat. Verse 19 of Luke chapter 21. And let me help you just real quick. Luke chapter 21 is a parallel of Matthew chapter 24, okay? What you see in Matthew chapter 24, you'll see in Luke chapter 21. They're parallel passages from the perspective of the gospel writer, okay? So Luke 21, verse 19, I think possibly the most powerful six words in the scripture, 
You ready? By your patience, possess your soul. By your patience. Now listen, it doesn't mean that your patience saves you, okay? It's by grace that you've been saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift of God, okay? But by your patience. How many of you understand that just because you start something doesn't mean you finish it? Okay? Now the book of Matthew says, only those who endure to the end. I want you to repeat it with me just to make sure we're awake with me. But in, I want you to repeat the word endure. You ready? Only those who to the end shall be saved. So this passage right here, Luke 21, 19, by your patience possess your soul is a reflection of Matthew 24 when the, when the writer says endure. Don't just begin something, but see it to completion. Don't just start the journey with Jesus. Don't stop the journey with Jesus. You must endure. No matter what trial, no matter what tribulation, no matter what circumstance, what test, you don't just start your journey with Jesus. You endure. You continue in. All right, verse 36, a little bit later. When you endure, watch what happens. Watch therefore and pray when? Always. Always. Not on Sunday. N not just at night before you go to bed. Not just as a blessing before you eat. Not just when somebody else prays, okay? Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape. Escape all these things that will come to pass. And we're going to look at all those things in just a minute. What he means by all these things. And stand before the Son of Man. All right, listen. Here's what he's saying. If you will endure right now, if you will take a stand now, then you will escape and get to stand with Him instead of having to stand through some of the things that you would have had to stand through because you didn't endure. How many of you understand that every choice has a consequence? Okay? And if you choose the wrong things, then you're going to suffer the consequence of those things. It doesn't mean that you're not going to ever suffer anything. It just means that there are some things that you actually have control over. It means that you can choose life and not have to go through death that, uh, because of your own choices to get there. Does that make sense? You don't have to. Did you know you can learn through wisdom, not consequence? That means you can make the right decision the first time without having to learn from the, uh, the consequence of the wrong decision. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. You can have wisdom in your life and operate in wisdom and therefore miss the consequence of the wrong choice and walk right through it. Escape because you endured. Okay? Now we believe as a church, and I believe personally, I believe personally, not because this is what I was taught growing up, although I was raised in church, but what I believe today actually came from personal study. It didn't come because somebody taught it to me. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm for that. I'm doing that for my children. But I believe in what the Bible call or what the Bible refers to as the taking up of the church. Okay? The taking up of the believers. The word that we put on that is the rapture of the believers. Okay? And there's three kind of philosophies when it comes to the rapture or the taking up of the believers. Some people believe that that will happen pre-great tribulation, okay? Pre-tribulation rapture. Some people believe mid-tribulation rapture, okay? Some people believe post-tribulation rapture. 
Like you'll be taken before, you'll be taken during, you'll be taken after. Okay? Here's what I'm not for. I'm not for arguing which one is which and who's right. Because it doesn't matter to me when Jesus is coming. It matters to me that he is coming. That is my greatest objective. So listen, if you're mid-trip and that's what you believe, great. Guess what? I can prove it with Scripture. I can prove you're right with Scripture. If you're post-trib, great, uh, amazing. You want to stay for the seven years of the Great Tribulation? Totally up to you. I don't believe that's going to happen. But if, if you believe that, look, I can prove that with Scripture. I can take Scripture and I can prove you're right. But here's the other deal. If you believe pre-tribulation rapture, guess what? You're actually probably right. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's sort of a joke. Okay. We have people that believe it, and and I'm for that. Like, I love those discussions. I don't like the arguments, but I'm for the discussions. If you you believe pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, or post-tribulation rapture of the church, I can take Scripture and prove all three of those. I personally believe there is more evidence for pre-tribulation rapture than anything else, but can I confess that that's a fairly new doctrine? It's a fairly new belief system. And by fairly new, I know some of you are sitting there thinking, no, 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 I've heard that all my life. I know, but good for you. You're not that old. Come on, somebody just receive that. I'm not that old. Pastor said, I'm not that old today. I'm still shy. I'm still shy. I'm not that old. I, the pastor said, I wasn't that old today. Yeah, so that's for you, okay? You're not that old. It's only about a 200-year faith system. It's only about a 200-year doctrine. Okay, And actually, that doctrine came first and foremost in a commentary by another theologian. And then more theologians picked up on it. Can I tell you that the pre-tribulation doctrine is actually a predominantly English-speaking belief? Like the, the majority of the world, the, the largest speaking, uh, national speaking group in the, in the world is, is Mongolian Chinese. Okay? And if you try to explain to somebody a believer in China, okay, a believer in China who has to hide in a house to have church, okay, they don't get to freely come out in public. If you try to explain that they're not going to have to go through tribulation before they get to go be with Jesus, they're not going to understand what you're talking about because it's predominantly English and it's fairly new. But just because it's predominantly English and fairly new doesn't mean that it's not biblical. It just means that it's not a biblical absolute. And we need to stop sitting around and arguing about things that ultimately don't matter. Again, it doesn't matter when he comes. It matters that he comes and that we are ready for that return because it is imminent. It's imminent. By imminent, I mean it could happen at any moment. Okay? And they give you some dangers. I gave you some disclaimers, even though I didn't name them. Let me give you some dangers. Number one, if you believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, let me give you the dangers. Even though I believe in it, okay? But number one, if you believe in it, then you may make the mistake of assuming that persecution and the great tribulation are the same thing. And they're not. The Bible doesn't promise that you will not be persecuted. In fact, it promises that you will be persecuted for your faith. The Bible promises, okay, that you will be persecuted, but it also promises that the saints shall not see the wrath of God, okay? So persecution and tribulation are not the same thing as the great tribulation. So don't assume that because you're being persecuted that you're in the midst of the great tribulation. That's not necessarily what that means. Number two, don't argue about the wrong things. Bible college students for years have been having this same argument. 
that their professors were having 40 years earlier. And how many of you understand that if two guys or two ladies with multiple doctorate degrees can't decide whether it's pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib, then you and I don't stand a stinking chance, man. We just need to know that Jesus is coming and stop arguing about non-biblical absolute. You may give you a biblical absolute, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And there is no other name by which a man shall be saved. Instead of sitting around and arguing about whether whether he has come, whether he is coming, we need to spend more time accomplishing his will because he is on his way. And if we spend time accomplishing his will, then we won't spend time sitting around arguing about non-biblical absolutes that don't mean anything to anybody but Christians. Come on, somebody. Woo! Number three, hot in here. By believing in a, tribula- in a pre-tribulation rapture, sometimes... We can have so much confidence in who we are in Christ that we can become apathetic towards those that don't know who they are. In other, in other words, just to give you a visual, we can pull up in our Christian recliner, kick back, and just spend all our time looking at the sky, believing Jesus is coming back, when that is clearly not why He came. We need to spend time being about the master's business, not sitting around thinking about when we're going to leave. We don't need to stop serving. We don't need to stop giving. We don't need to stop ministering. And we don't need to stop reaching people with the life-giving message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's probably on his way, but I still got some people to lead to him before he gets here. Come on, somebody. There's still things that need to be done. There's still people that need to be reached. There's still places that still need to be ministered to. And there is still a purpose that is yet to be accomplished or God would have already come back and he left it in our hands to accomplish it now let me confront just a couple of confusing things once you understand no one knows the day nor the hour okay no one knows okay listen listen I really wish that people would stop trying to guess the day and the hour because I think that God keeps moving it you're not going to get it right They are not going to get it right. I think that dude that wrote 88 Reasons in 1988, okay, when he missed it, he wrote another book in 89. And then he wrote another book in the early 2000s, okay? And Jesus still hadn't come. He might have come back three times by now if that dude would have quit trying to guess when he was coming. So stop it. Stop guessing, okay? Because I really believe, even if somebody gets it right, God's going to be like, no, got to move it. Move it again. We'll come back later. We'll, We'll spread it out a little bit further. Nobody knows the day nor the hour. Stop trying to guess. Here's another confusing thing. This world, as we know it, will end. It will. The Bible actually says heaven and earth shall pass away. Man, I wish I had more time this morning. Because people people have confessed to me that that they think that you just leave this life and then you go into this, this transcendental state where you're in the kingdom of God in heaven and you don't have a worry, you don't have a sorrow, and you don't have a fear. But listen to me, I'm not really sure that that's the case. I I believe that you don't go to heaven and know less there than you knew here. 
I believe that you have an eternal perspective where the fullness of knowledge comes to completion when you stand in the presence of the Father. But did you know that it's not actually until after the great tribulation, after the millennial reign, and after the great white throne judgment that God wipes away every seer, every tear, and, and removes every bit of sorrow? So what we need to do in the meantime is make sure that we're leading as many people as we can to Him because this world as we know it is going to end. This life will be over at one point or another but God has given us something to do as long as we have breath and a heartbeat heaven and earth shall pass away but my word my word the life that you can have in my word will never pass away I love this story and and I I shared it so many times and I just started repeating it for fun with our teenagers at our last church but this pastor had a buddy in Bible college just like really really super spiritual dude Right, like anytime that anybody was trying to have a conversation about anything, he had a scripture for that. You know what I'm saying? Like he would just he would just scripture conversation. It wouldn't even really make sense. He would just take the Bible. He only spoke Christianese, whether anybody else understood him or not. Okay, so earthly, so heavenly minded. He was absolutely no earthly good. That kind of a guy. You know, the super spiritual. Uh, uh, yeah, that person that just is hard to hard to have a conversation with. That's this guy. And they were in Bible college, and if they, if they were driving anywhere, and they was like, oh, man, look, that is a nice car. Look at that car. Man, that is cool. That The super spiritual guy would, oh, it's going to burn. It's going to burn. And if they were driving down the road, they would look up and see a, a nice brand new house. Man, I, I saw somebody in our communities building a, a new house. Man, they got this, this, like, pool that goes into the pond, and it's like you swim up to the stool, and you can hang out right there. There's, like, chairs in the water. Like, chairs in the water? Why did I think of that? It's an amazing idea. We should never sit in chairs outside of water in South Louisiana. Come on, somebody. And so they got the chairs in the water, and I'm like, man, that is cool. And all I could think about was this guy. Like, if they drove by house like that and they're like man look at that house these nice things that's so cool it's gonna burn it's gonna burn it's all gonna burn and he's technically he's right okay but you don't want to live your life that way look did you know it's okay to have nice things like thank you for giving because we're able to have nice things we're able to do nice we got an air conditioner out that y'all don't know anything about it's over there these three are working overtime trying to keep it cool in here we're going to replace that thing because y'all give and it's okay to have nice things and fresh air it's okay to spend money on yourself as long as that's not your substance as long as that's not your love as long as your fruition is not found in finances and it's okay to have nice things we're going to have a nice building on 190. We're going to spend money. It's going to be really nice. It's going to minister to a ton of people. People are going to flock to that place, and we're going to share the gospel with them. It's going to be really neat, and people are going to accuse us of spending too much money on things that don't matter, but that's because they don't understand ministry. They don't understand that all I need is one opportunity for somebody to step out of that chair and come down that aisle, and if we just led one because we spent that much money on a building, then God said it was worth it all. I was relentless and I was waiting for that one to come to that new building. Man, like, like God is limited by finances. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. As long as you're faithful in what he gives you, you may find favor that you would have never known. He funneled things through you that you never thought he'd do for you or with you. Just be faithful. Now, I want to spend a couple of minutes on the difference between the rapture and the return. Okay? The being taken up, the rapture, taken up. And the return of Jesus. And that's just number one. If you're taking notes. The rapture 
is when the believer is taken up. The believer is taken up to be with the Lord. Okay? The return is when he touches down. The Bible says that the believer will meet Jesus in the air. That's the rapture. But the book of Revelation says that he will come and touch down on the Mount of Olives. Number two, believers in the rapture, believers, the church, the bride of Christ will see Jesus in the air. We will see him. In the return, every knee will bow. I just quoted this a minute ago. Every tongue confess that he is Lord. It won't just be believers that see him and know what's going on. Everyone. Powers, principalities, kings and kingdoms will see Jesus as he returns and know, uh uh-oh, we done messed up. Number three, in the rapture, we're removed from earth. In the return, he returns to earth. And you'll find these in scripture. You do a study, you study it out on your own. You can see these are two different things. Paul Jesus himself and John in the book of Revelation, they all speak to these two different kinds of things. Uh, number four, war breaks out. When the, when the church has been raptured in the great tribulation, war breaks out. But when Jesus returns, peace is restored. Peace is restored. There is no more war. Jesus speaks, the war's over. Okay? Number five, Christ In the rapture, Christ receives his bride. He calls us up. He receives us. In the return, he returns with his bride. We come back with him. He is the rider on the white horse, and he returns with his bride to rule and reign for a thousand years. In the rapture, only the season can be known. And I'm going to spend the rest of the time talking about the season, okay, quickly. Only the season can be known. But in the return, you can know the day. In the return, when Jesus is going to return, the Bible gives us a very specific distinction. And he says, when this happens, you'll have 1,240 days or 70 weeks, and then this is going to happen in the middle of three and a half years. That guy is going to stand on the temple mount, proclaim himself to be God, and call everybody to worship him, exalt himself, and defy everything else. And then three and a half years of absolute hell, God's wrath being poured out on earth are going to happen, but you can count it. On the 1240th day, you will see the clouds part. You will see a rider on a white horse with a robe drenched in blood and a golden sash. His eyes will be like burning fire. His voice will be like the rumblings of many waters. And from his mouth will come a double-edged sword ready to divide the nation kings from kingdoms and he will rule and reign in that place forever okay there's a difference you can know the day you can see it you can count it you can look at it so what is going to happen the disciples asked this question to Jesus how do we know how do we know verse 9 of Luke chapter 21 and I've kind of broken these down so you can just kind of write along you can go back and read it on your own so I don't read the whole chapter here some of you said amen in your heart. I heard you. Your spirit, that's, that's spirit. I heard it. I'm hungry too. It's okay. We have next steps right after service where we'll be serving lunch for those who are going through the second step. If you've never been to the first one, you can join us. Verse 9 says, wars and commotions 
will happen. Okay? But look at that bottom line. But the end will not come immediately. And then he goes on. Nation will rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. Great earthquakes. Famines and pestilences. That's in verse 11. Fearful sights and great signs from heaven. Verse 12. But before all these things, before even that happens... They will lay hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, taking you out of the churches, throwing you back into the churches, throwing you in jail, persecuting you because of what you believe. They'll tell you what not to worship. They'll tell you who to to worship. Come on, that's beginning to happen again today. You're going to have to stand firm in the faith in order to stand before Him and escape. Let me say it again. You'll have to stand firm in the faith at some point in this life in in order to stand firm before Him and escape the trials and the tribulations that come along with the end. Delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, you'll be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. Verse 13. But, come on, it will turn out as an occasion for you to share your testimony. When you're going through the trial. When you're going through the persecution, when you're going through the tribulation, not the great tribulation, when you're facing something that you didn't see coming, stand firm, endure, be patient, because that will provide you an opportunity to share your faith with somebody that you would not have had the opportunity to share your faith with if you would not have been willing to go through what you went through. Therefore, be settled in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you're going to say. For I'll give you a mouth and wisdom. Come on, wisdom. Which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. Verse 16, you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers. Ever had to face a family member because of what you believe? Ever had to give an account? Patiently. Lovingly. Based on what God has done in your life. And you knew it was real. But when you shared it with the people that you love. They weren't proud. They were actually disappointed. They told you that you were wrong. It's biblical. It's going to happen. Relatives and friends. They'll put some of you to death. Verse 17. You'll be hated. By all. For my name's sake. But not a hair of your head shall be lost. Some of you are like, that's a lie. That is a lie. That is not true. I thought the Bible was true. Now listen. What that means is, is that there's nothing that you give up in this life that you truly ever lose. Because death is not the end. This old body perishing is just the beginning of what God truly created us for. And you will love what you're robed in for all eternity when you stay connected to Him. Verse 19, by your patience, possess your soul. You see the context of which this is written? This is about endurance. This is about serving God's will. Now verse 20, but, see everything that He just named At the beginning, he said, be sure, this is not when the end will come. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you can know 
that its desolation is near. Is near. Now listen, I don't, I don't know where you stand, and, and, and it's okay if you don't stand here. It really is. It's okay. I personally believe, I'm just, this is my personal belief. I personally believe that everything in Scripture revolves around the Hebrew nation, Judaism, and specifically even Israel. Now, I really believe that, okay? And, and actually, I'll just, I'll just speak to whether I'm right or wrong. I will prophesy that the moment that this, te- this nation stops supporting Israel, the people of God in this nation are going to be in very big trouble because this nation is officially turning its back on God's people. But until that happens, we can know. And the time hasn't come. In 1948, Israel became a nation for the third And I believe the very last time. It's okay if you don't believe this. We can discuss it over coffee later this week. I had somebody tell me something that I wasn't aware of walking out of second service. In 1967, the Arabs and the Egyptians attacked Israel. They attacked Israel. The Jews were minding their own business. They weren't prepared for war. And the Arabs attacked attacked Israel, the nation of Israel. And in that six days, Israel prayed, and Israel fought back. And because the enemy attacked them, they came out with a testimony on the other side that showed, hey, listen, I don't know what you've been reading, but my God is still the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. My God is still the God of Elijah. My God is still the one who tore down the walls of Jericho. And just because you attack me when I'm ready doesn't mean that he wasn't prepared and ready. All I had to do was pray just like Hezekiah, and he sent his angels to win a victory that I wasn't even ready to fight. And Israel received territory back. Israel received in 1967. Many of you were alive. I wasn't. (laughs) But in 1967, Israel received rights back to Jerusalem. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, know its desolation is near. Let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart. Let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. Verse 23, for there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. Verse 24, they will be led captive into all nations. Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Verse 25, there will be signs in the sun and the moon and in the stars and the earth distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves will be roaring. Verse 26, men's hearts failing them for fear. People will be so afraid in the great tribulation that they will literally die on the spot because of fear. And the expectation of those things which are coming to the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Verse 27, But then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift your heads because your redemption draweth near. Verse 32, Assuredly I say to you, this generation, the generation that begins to see these things take place, the generation that doesn't just see wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines, but the generation that sees Jerusalem begin to be surrounded by armies. I'm telling you right now that the generation 
generation that begins to see tribulation and persecution at a level that it has not been seen, the generation that begins to see apostasy in the church or the turning away by God's people from God's people, that generation will not pass away until all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Verse 34, but take heed to yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and the cares of life. Hold up, Jesus. Time out. Did you just put the cares of this life in the same phrase as drunken carousing? Are you telling me that when I become more concerned with what's going on around me than I do what you desire to do through me, that I am likened unto a carousing drunkard. Do not be distracted or weighed down by carousing, by drunkenness, or by the cares of this life. And that day come upon you unexpectedly. Verse 35, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Verse 36, watch therefore and pray. You don't take a day off. You don't go on a Jesus vacation this summer. You take Him with you. You stay faithful. You endure to the end. You pray always. And when you endure... In Him, you will be counted worthy because He is worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. I'm going to give you a lot of Scripture really quick, and I'm going to read them really fast, but I just want you to receive them with your soul. Guess what? You can go back later this afternoon. We're recording this. You can watch it online later. You ready? Going quick. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who fall asleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind. Why? Because death is not the end. It's the objective. Who have no hope. Verse 14. We believe that Jesus died. Come on, somebody. And rose again. He didn't stay dead. He's alive and available today. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. According to the Lord's Word, we tell you that we who are still alive who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first but after that we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the Air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Romans 8, verse 23. Not only that, I love how Paul writes, not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption, the redemption of this old decrepit body. Come on, somebody. If God can handle my old decrepit body that gets worse by day, then He can handle this old wicked 
wicked heart that should be getting better in Jesus' name. There is nothing I've been through, nothing I'm going through, nothing I'm going to go through that Jesus can't handle. This body can stay here on earth because my spirit and my soul are going to be with the Lord forever. Titus chapter 2 verse 13 says, Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians verse 15 Verse 51, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. We shall be changed for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. What a day it will be. But how much we have to do before that day. Father, I pray you would help us right now. Pray you'd help us to be efficient. But I pray that you would help us to be obedient. Lord, one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord whether we want to or not. So I pray that we would choose to right now. Lord, if there's anybody in here that doesn't know you, I pray that they would receive salvation and confess you as Lord before they leave this place today so that they don't have to be afraid. That they can fear not and know that you've covered them and you've paved the way for them. If you're in the house today and you are not where you need to be with Jesus, if standing before, the, before Jesus would be more fearful than it would be fulfilling than I'm talking to you. If you want to make that right today, ask Him for forgiveness. Believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. You can be saved before you leave this place and you don't have to go out of here afraid. If you've never received Christ as your Savior or you did, but you know you've drifted away And you are not following him. And you need to make that right before you leave this place. If I'm talking to you and you'd say, Pastor, that's me. I need you to pray for me. I just want to be included in the prayer that you prayed. Would you lift your hands right where you are and say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Thank you. Thank you. I want to be prayed for. I want to be included in that prayer. Anybody else? We're not trying to make a gimmick. This is just about you and Jesus. Thank you. I see you. Church, let me ask you a question. For everybody that didn't raise their hand, that means that either one, you didn't know what was going to happen next and you weren't quite ready. And God's still giving you a chance to pray a prayer of confession whether you raise your hand or not. Or two, you believe you are a believer. You are a child of God. So I want to challenge you today that if you know you need to be living your life with a little bit more urgency for the sake of the gospel, that if you would admit today, Pastor, I have, I have truly been more distracted by the cares of this life than I have the call of Christ on my life. And today, right now, right where you sit, you would want to make that right. I said you've been more distracted by the cares of this life than you have been intentional about the call of Christ on your life. If that's you and you would like to make that right today, I just want you to lift your hand right where you are and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to get it right, man. I don't want to be concerned for the things of this world. I want to fix my eyes on Jesus. Church, whether you lifted your hand or whether you didn't, 
We believe that if you will confess your, with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you shall be saved. So right where you are, I want everybody in this room to pray with all of your heart. Jesus, forgive me where I fall short. Help me to honor you in all that I do. Save me. Help me not be distracted by the cares of this life. Help me to hear and answer the call that you have for me. Take my life. Make it yours. Help me to follow you with all of my heart and endure to the end. In Jesus' name, everybody said, come on, can you give him praise in his house this morning? If you believe in that prayer and those that raise their hand, come on, you can stand with me all over the sanctuary today. Thank you for your endurance. If you got frustrated about how long this service took, just remember that by your patience, I'm just saying, okay, you're not possessing your soul, no, Hey, look, real quick, right after this service, we have next steps, the second step of next steps. I've had a couple of people ask me, man, did I need to go to the first step in order to come to the second? No, not really, because we can catch you up. We'll do it again. And so even if you haven't been to the first step, which is really just kind of connecting you to the church and, and our doctrine and what we believe, you can still come to this second step and you're not going to be confused. This is where you discover things about yourself and you discover a little bit more about how we operate as an organization. We've got food, okay, and we've got child care, and we want you to come if you've been interested in coming at all. All right, one more thing. Right over here on the black table, Ed Smith was there waving earlier. Just picture Ed Smith waving these bulletins at you. It's okay. We are currently recruiting. We have a couple of students already have committed, and, and we're helping them get signed up. I just finished my graduate degree with SUM, Bible College and Theological Seminary. They have graduate degrees. They've got three or four that you can choose from. They have a Master's of Divinity. They're developing a doctoral program. They also have an undergraduate program, okay? This is a fully accredited Bible college that we are going to become a satellite campus for this coming fall, okay? And we are currently recruiting students to do that if you are interested in becoming a student with SUM and entering into that Bible college Pastor John has some information we've just got some pamphlets if you're not really interested don't take one but if you kind of are then grab one and we want to get to and then let us know okay and we'll give you more information on that we'll have a little bit more uh We'll have a sign up and a banner and all that stuff. We're kind of trying to get this done as quickly as possible through the summer to take off in the fall and then maybe even launch our very own by the beginning of next year. Just pray with us for that. Hey, thank you for being here today. Let me bless you before you leave. If you would, just open up your hands like I'm handing you a gift. Lord, I thank you for this position. And even more, I thank you for my position in you. And it's in your name that I ask that you would help us to be hearers of your word and doers of your word. I pray that you would help us to be obedient, not just today, but throughout this week. God, would you bless us and keep us and make your face to shine upon us. Be gracious to us and lift up your countenance upon your people. Give us peace. Holy Spirit, 
Come into our lives and empower us to be an example for you. Anoint us to accomplish your will, walk in your ways, and to achieve the vision that you've given us for this place, to meet people and grow closer to you together. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. God bless you and have a great afternoon. Meet somebody that you don't know before you leave.